This episode of the MS Dev Show is brought to you by Infragistics. Their developer toolkits provide world-class controls targeting Windows, Web, iOS, Android, Xamarin Forms, and more. Whether you're an individual developer or part of an enterprise team, they have something for you. Check out the latest today at infragistics.com. Welcome to the MS Dev Show, episode number 57. This week, we talk with Shabnam Erfani about Project Astoria, which allows Android apps to run on Windows Phone, building adaptive layouts for Windows 10, and a website coding itself. So today we have Shabnam Erfani, Principal Program Manager on the Astoria Project. Welcome. Hi, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, and then Carl, how's it going? It's going pretty good. I'm really excited to talk to uh, Shabnam today. Oh, I am too. Hey, are you going to be at the uh, Tech on Tap tomorrow? I can't stay, but I might swing by to say hi. Okay. Yeah, because I'm going to be speaking there. So I will be talking about cool stuff on Azure. And it's not going to be your typical, you know, I'm not going to say IaaS does this and networking does this. I think that's what uh, some of the other presentations are about. I'm going to talk about some of the cool stuff that's been built on Azure and uh, some cool things that you can uh, that you can do with it. Some actual vertical scenarios. So it should be fun. Awesome. Okay, so let's get to feedback. So this one, this one was a long time coming. Yeah. <laughs> so, so go ahead, Carl. Yeah, so uh, this week our feedback winner is Aaron Morell, and mm -hmm. uh, he actually interacted several times. The one we chose is, it's taken me three months, but I have finally listened to all 55 episodes of the MS Dev Show. A++ would listen again. Oh, that poor guy. But he's our number one fan for sure. I, I think so. <laughs> so what do we have for him this week? So he wins the ultimate license from Infragistics, and uh, if you just email us at feedback at msdevshow.com, Aaron, with your email address, uh, we'll make sure we get that to you. And if anybody else wants to uh, you know, email us at that address, that'll put you in the uh, listings for next week to win that ultimate license from Infragistics. It's just that easy. It is. And if you don't want to email us, there's Facebook, Twitter, or comment on our website. So any one of those will get you entered to win. Yep. Or on iTunes, you know, write us a review on there and then send us your uh, a link to that. And uh, we love those iTunes reviews as well. Okay, let's jump into the news. Uh, actually, so the first news thing we have is actually about the show. So we have uh, we have a Trello board set up now, and it's got a whole bunch of potential topics on there. Because what we found with the podcast is the number one, um, you know, determination of how many downloads we get is the, is the topic more than anything. It's, it's all about the topic. So we put a whole bunch of topics out there that you can actually vote on in Trello. If you're not familiar with the voting. It's, it takes a couple steps. You have to open up a card and then you have to push the vote button. We have one vote out there currently. <laughs> and, and it's funny because it's for Visual Studio Code, which the uh, Win developer show, they just, they just had an episode on that. Uh, but go out there and, and take a look at that list. If you have uh, suggestions on any other topics you want us to cover, just email us or uh, get in contact us with us with uh, one of those other means. We'd really appreciate that because we want to know what you guys want to hear. And then what do we got here? Windows Store payout improvements. Yep. There was recently a blog post uh, about some of the upcoming changes that are happening uh, in preparation for the stores merging. Um, they're changing some of the uh, uh, how you get paid out. Uh, so the number one announcement is before you had to collect $200 worth of sales or in-app purchases, uh, you know, combined for them to pay out $200. Now they're dropping that down to 25. So if you're a more casual developer cool. or if you just didn't make much for a period, you'll get, you'll get a little bit of money a little quicker. So I think that's really huge. Okay. Um, is that like on a monthly basis then too? If you, if you get, you know, if I get 50 bucks, they're not going to send me like two separate checks, right? I'm going to get like one for the month. Yeah, so it's it's for a period of time. I can't remember if it's like every two Probably weeks. Probably monthly. It's, okay. it's either every two weeks or every month. 
And that money okay. has to sit there for for thirty days as well. So if somebody you know requests a, uh, a, a refund and that puts you under the mark, you know that's what that's what they're making sure is not everybody asks for refunds because you didn't do anything on your app. Okay, that makes sense. Oh, let's see here. Optimistic UI with Meteor. What is this? Yeah, so I I'm not really familiar with Meteor, but um you know they're trying to solve an interesting problem. So a lot of times you'll interact with the website and there's going to be a really long pause because, you know, it's doing something on the server. Um, and what they're saying is Meteor can help solve the problem. Like if you need to react to something else that a user does because they can't wait for your click, mm-hmm. uh, they provide a way for you to, you know, capture that next thing that they're doing as you're still processing that first request. Um, and yeah. I think that's really cool because today I, I was working on uh, an, an application and I was just getting set up to work work on it. And I was creating a new user and then I got impatient. I couldn't so impatient. I couldn't tell if I clicked on the button already. So I clicked it again. And then (laughs) that said, Oh, that already exists. And that prevented the page from going to the next thing. And it was just a big mess. Yeah. Don't you love that when you're like waiting for something? And so it's like, Oh, well I changed my mind. I'm going to do this. And you're like, Oh, that's not working either. And you keep clicking around and all of a sudden it's just like, it just, they all pile on and yeah, you have a big mess on your hands. So, and it's also a hard problem, just, you know, you know, keeping all those different possible states that you could be in, in sync, um, that's pretty big. So if Meteor actually can do this, that's pretty huge. Um, yeah. Like I said, so it's it worth, have sounds like to, it's worth checking out. Yep. Okay. What do we got here? Pull the refresh and win RT. Yeah. So I, I know, especially on iOS, they popularize that pull to refresh option. And sometimes, you know, on Windows phone or on a tablet, you know, you're in one of those things where you're scrolling and you want to refresh, um, you can implement a pull to refresh. But if you don't want to figure that out yourself, um, uh, the blog post at blendrocks.com that we're going to have in the show notes, they give you all the code you need to do, you know, all the XAML, all the code behind, um, explaining it all on how to implement a pull to refresh with all the assets and everything. Oh, thank goodness, because you should not be implementing this yourself if you can avoid it. Uh, because I've seen bad implementations where you pull down on a list and then you get like the thing that just keeps spinning and you don't know if you pull down far enough. Uh, this one looks good where it says, you know, pull down to refresh. When you pull it down, it says release to refresh. Yep. You need that cue to know when to release to. Shabnam, does Android have something like this? <laughs> I'm, not it, a, I'm not quite sure about that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because what we're talking about is you have the list and you like, you know, you yank down on it. It's, it's kind of like a hidden thing. Like you have to know about it. Um you know, to, to do it. Um, so, but it's sort of a paradigm now that, that a lot of people are using and, and you just sort of used to it. I'll have to look into it. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Building adaptive layout in windows 10. Yeah. So this comes from a former guest in front of the show, Laurent Bunyan. Oh uh, yeah. I love that guy. Yep. And you know, in windows 10, there's a real big emphasis on being adaptive, you know, responding to, the, the different size screens, even, you know, if the window changes, you know, the controls, everything, you know, can update. And Laurent essentially uh, uh, distilled this down to its essence on what you need to learn and what you need to do to understand how to get into the mindset of programming for these ab- adaptive changes. Uh, so, he, you know, it mentions, you know, you, you need to, if you're not familiar with it, you know, learn about the visual state manager have different groups, you know, those are essential to essentially similar into CSS as your breakpoints if you're going to do uh, a responsive design. And then he gives just a really nice, uh, he has animated graphics on there. It shows as he makes the window bigger, it gets to that threshold and it turns green. And as you go smaller again, it, it hits red and it just over and over. And he gives you, you know, just you know, like three or four different examples, a little variations on it on how to implement this adaptive uh, 
way of programming. Excellent. This is useful. Everybody should be doing this. This is this is the way that everybody needs to be thinking. You know, you shouldn't think like, is this a tablet? Is this a phone? Um, you know, because a lot of those assumptions don't make sense. Or is it landscape portrait? It should just be adaptive. And I think that's that's the approach that most people are taking these days. Yep. And once you do that, you'll be able to get that where you can, you know, have your one universal project, your one binary, you put it to the one store and you get it everywhere. So this is really important for us to, you know, just wrap your head around how to do this. So when you're out there either doing it for yourself or for a client or for your at work, you know, you can, you know, have this in your tool belt already. Okay. And Shabnam just sent me a message. She said that Android has had pull to refresh since KitKat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, okay. Chicken and eggs. What are we, are we talking about breakfast here? No, we're talking about how our computers boot. So Oh, that, that, I was confused. Yeah, this is actually a really old blog post. Uh, it was from 2007, but uh, I ran across it. It was on TechNet. And, you know, it, it, they explained that uh, kind of how booting works. And, you know, for your hardware to know, you know, how to boot things up, it needs to know what's on the disk, but it can't read the disk. Until it's booted. <laughs> until it's booted. So, you know, it, it kind of goes throughout this. I'm not going to go throughout that, but, you know, they said, you know, not only is booting like that, but when you're restoring from a hibernated state, mm-hmm. you're in that as well. And that explains why the hyper, uh, was that the hyperfile.sys? Yeah, uh, the, that's what it's called. That's at, at the root directories because that's the only place that that tiny little bootloader can think to know of. You know, because yeah. people always want to move it somewhere else. So like, I want to put it over there, but they don't realize that's actually looking at a subdirectory is an advanced feature that you need a booted system to know how to look for, there for. I love so that that's an advanced feature, but it makes it makes perfect sense. It, it like does. It's, it's more of a pain, more of a pain than what you'd think. Yeah. So I recommend just going through this article. I mean, it's not very long. It takes about two minutes to read, uh, but it really goes into, you know, a little bit more detail on thinking about how your software and hardware interact with each other. Mm-hmm. And my kids are home. They're being loud now. <laughs> Uh, so this next one is uh, website coding itself live, and I was just mesmerized by this. So it it literally it sits here and and the web page writes itself as you go along. So it, you got to dedicate like two minutes to actually watching this thing. But you know he's actually writing some some CSS to change colors, and as he's doing that, um, it's you know it's changing the page. And then there's some skew stuff in here, and I just thought this was really cool. And this was actually based off somebody else did the same thing. It was based off of that. So you can actually grab this code and fork it if you want and do something similar. Uh, he uses it ultimately for his resume. Whenever you see the end, it's it's a resume, but it's all nice and styled and it wrote itself. Yeah, well, and he wrote he wrote it to write itself. <laughs> and and then at the end, it's actually an editor that you can use to live edit the page itself. Yeah, yeah, which is really cool. Okay, so let's get to Project Astoria with Shabnam. Uh, okay, so. Let's uh, let's just talk about what it is. So, Shabnan, you want to give us an overview of what Project Astoria is, and and you know, then people understand why we're so excited about it. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> so, uh, if you've been following the the build announcements with Windows 10, we're launching a new application development platform, the Universal mm-hmm. Windows platform, and uh, we realize that developers are excited to use this platform to reach to a multitude of devices and screen sizes and, you know, a host of users, user, different user types. But we also realize that um, there, there, there are many developers who have existing code bases that they've used uh, to build apps on Android uh, and iOS. So uh, with the announcements, we also introduced the concept of technology bridges that helps developers reuse their code that they have um, on Android and iOS to build Windows applications. 
And Project Astoria in particular is providing the bridge for Android, where a developer can reuse their code and uh, easily and quickly without uh, making a lot of changes, build a Windows app um, from their Android app. Mm-hmm. Um, at a high level, we provide uh, a set of developer experiences uh, that plug into the existing Android development environments that people have probably uh, have, have already set up. So we provide plugins for um, Android Studio and uh, Eclipse and IntelliJ that enables uh, developers to quickly identify the changes that they have to make um, and then test their app on Windows devices and finally bring them to our dev center slash store and uh, have the ability to publish them. So they can actually do that outside of Visual Studio then? They can use the tools that they're using today? Yeah, they can. So Ah, I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah, so the idea here is to make it really easy and quick for Android developers to build a Windows app from their existing environment. Okay. And then I know that um, Android, I think it's APK that is the output of building one of those, correct? That's right. So Okay, so are they submitting that to the store then? Yeah, they submit uh, their APK. Well, we, we Let me talk about our app analysis yep. uh, tool first. It's an online tool that you can submit your APK to, and we, we give you a report of uh, what are some of the things and recommendations uh, for, for things to test uh, in your application on Windows devices and potentially some changes. Um, then after you, you, you get that report, you can make uh, any changes that you may need. Uh, and after you're satisfied with, with testing your app, then you submit the APK to our store. And in the store under the covers, we do all the heavy lifting to wrap and redirect uh, a lot of the APK concepts into an Apex so at the end of the day, an Apex gets installed on a user's device from the store, but the developer doesn't really have to do much there. So, cool. so what are the limitations um, with Project Astoria? I know during build that it was announced that this is going to be for mobile only. Uh, mm-hmm. So are, are there any others? Well, um, so this is mobile only, and we also operate uh, Astoria uh, or, or you, you know, they're really Windows apps that that use Astoria technology. Um, they they really operate within the framework and policies of regular Windows apps. So we felt that most of the Android code bases are really targeting um, phone type of devices. So uh, we would create a bridge success. You know, the best, the most successful path for us and for developers would be to easily bridge basically their, their app that runs on an Android phone to, to phone. Um, we are looking at whether it would make sense to also bring this uh, to, to desktop and tablet users in future. Now, if you're also writing an app that uh, you know, modifies some of the uh, concepts in Android uh, that, that, that uh, we, we don't consider useful on, on Windows Phone, uh, you know, Astoria is, is not the way to go for you. So let's say if you're building a launcher or you're replacing, uh, you know, the lock screen altogether, uh, you have that kind of app. Uh, that's not the type of app that in general or the type of customization that in general we allow uh, in our experiences on Windows Phone. So that's another area where uh, you can't really reuse your code. That makes sense. So is this is this better suited for... You know, I, I know we've we've talked about this uh, on the show before, but you know, like like games tend to to 
convert over. We've talked a little bit about like the Objective C bridge. Um, so, you know, what what types of apps that would you tend to use this for? I mean, obviously you said not lock screen apps, mm -hmm. but if it's just a regular, um, you know, line of business application or a game or, you know, something else, do those all make sense then? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, okay. You know, in, in some cases, and this is something we're, we're investigating and trying to understand better. For the most part, any type of app that fits within our policies and, you know, uh, device experiences uh, could, could leverage Project Astoria to come to Windows. Um, there are some cases that people, uh, like, like game developers, if they're building a Unity game, uh, we're trying to uh, work with with our partners right now to figure out what's the best strategy. Should they use the Unity on on Windows Phone, the native Unity on Windows, or should they just bring their Unity game on Astoria? We're studying both ways. We haven't really uh, decided what's the best way to go, but these are like some of the areas we're trying to refine our understanding and help the developers make good choices. Okay, very cool. All right, so. You know, I, I'm starting out with my Java code, and I know I'm going to end up with an AppX. So how do I start adding some of those, you know, universal Windows features to my application? Is that through some sort of a Java SDK, or can I start writing those in C Sharp, or how, how does that look? Oh, okay, yeah. Um, so let's talk about our Astoria SDK. Um, we provide an, a Java SDK uh, for Astoria that uh, gets installed essentially as part of um, your, your, your Android ID, whether you, if you're using Android Studio or Eclipse. And um, it contains a set of Java APIs for uh, using Microsoft services and also provides Java APIs for some of the native uh, experience elements um, for the application. So for example, if you want to use live tile and, and light up a live tile scenario for your app, you can uh, reuse pretty much all of your Android source code and then call the Java APIs that we're exposing in the Astoria SDK for live tiles. Um, another area where, uh, where developers in general need to think about when they're using Astoria is if they're using any Google Play services, uh, those services are not supported uh, on our platform by Google. So they would need to rethink uh, how they're using those services. To make life easy, we are providing an SDK and what we call an interop layer that, uh, that enables developers easily uh, redirect their service calls to the equivalent Microsoft services. Um, but, you know, that's... That's that, that we offer that uh, to, to make life easier for developers, but it's completely their call whether they want to use these services or not. Wow. This is, to be honest with you, this is even more powerful than what I thought. I didn't realize that there was an SDK and all this other functionality around it, so that's really cool. Yes. So majority of applications that we have seen who use, uh, let's say, maps or notifications uh, or even ads, majority of them actually uh what we've seen is typically with a one-line uh, Gradle script change, they can uh, redirect their service calls. And to, to create a live tile uh, for the Android app, it's about five lines of code that they have to write. Wow, that's pretty awesome. I mean, if I had an Android app, I mean, this this is sounding really, really appealing. Yeah, um, yeah it's yeah, a very, I, very easy way of basically building a Windows app. And then the other thing I wanted yeah. to call out was... Uh, we essentially are creating um, an Android subsystem, what we call an Android subsystem or AOSP-based subsystem on, uh, on, on Windows. 
where we do automatic redirection of a lot of APIs and uh, platform concepts. Uh, and also we redirect a lot of the user experience elements. So for example, if you're using a sharing contract on Android, we uh, automatically detected that runtime and map it to a Windows sharing contract and sharing UI. So the developer actually doesn't have to do any changes there. Um, and the, re- the outcome is the users will not really see a big difference between a, an app, a Windows app that came from a Java source code and, uh, and a Windows app that came from C-sharp source code. Uh, Very cool. An app is an app and it comes from store. It comes with the same trustworthiness and reliability that our store promises our users. Uh, we just have made developers' life super easy to, to reach Windows users. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And can you do like if def if def type of things in your code where, you know, you can basically say, hey, if this is running, you know, if I've compiled this for Android versus compiling it for on Windows, um, can you do that type of thing? Yeah, you can you can do if defs uh, and you can also in, in Gradle scripts, uh, you could uh, create a Windows compile flavors and, uh, you know, link to our classes and paths uh, from, from our Astoria SDK to quickly replace and redirect some of the API calls, especially for services. Carl, I got to interrupt this for just a second, and I want to talk about Infragistics. Yeah, if you comment uh, on Facebook, on Twitter, on our website, you have a chance to win the ultimate license from Infragistics. And this is pretty cool because it covers a lot of stuff. Um, they have controls for... Android, iOS, Windows Phone, Windows 8, ASP.NET, MVC, WPF, jQuery, HTML5, just tons of stuff. And they even have stuff for Xamarin Forms. So if you're trying to hit all three major mobile platforms with one, they got controls to help you out there. If you need tabular stuff uh, with their grids, they got really cool controls to help make that look uh, just really sharp. Charting, gauges, barcodes, it's all pretty simple using their controls. And if you just have some uh, simple prototyping needs, they have a product called Indigo Studio, too. It lets you get that prototype done so you can show this to the stakeholders and, you know, sell your ideas. Yeah, what I love about that, you can just send them a link and they can actually navigate through the app. But uh, like you mentioned earlier, all of these controls across all these different platforms, this is great. I mean, most people don't just develop one type of app now. So being able to, to go and use these controls in every type of app all under one ultimate license is is really big plus. If we don't select you uh, each week, you could try again next week. And if you can't wait, they have free demos. So you can try it out for a month, download the demos and try it today. Yeah, check it out at infragistics.com. They're a free trial, so you have nothing to lose. And remember, each week, if we pick your comment on the show, you get the ultimate edition for free, which includes everything. We thank them for their support of the MS Dev Show. Uh, is there anybody that that really shouldn't be looking at this? I know you mentioned like lock screens. Are there any are there any other types of apps? I mean, it sounds like it works for just about everything. It it works for just about everything. Um, yeah. Now you know this is Android is a very rich API surface and right. it's powerful. So we are working our way through supporting uh, most of the functionality that's available in KitKat, and uh, it will take some time. So mm-hmm. right off the bat, you know, we may have some incompatibilities. That doesn't mean the developer shouldn't look at our platform. It just means they may need some changes uh, in their scenarios, which which we will build up over time. Uh, I think the, <laughs> I hope this doesn't get me in trouble, but another comment <laughs> I wanted to make is 
you know, Android is a super rich ecosystem, uh, mm-hmm. but also it's a it's um, it's it's an ecosystem where it's abused a lot as well. Ninety six percent or ninety five percent of the uh, the the mobile malware in the world are on on android yeah because they they let you pretty much do anything you want in my experience that's right which 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 creates a lot of power and a lot of great experiences for developers uh, Mm -hmm. but also opens the door for a lot of abuse and attacks well and it might not even be intentional though i guess is is even my point um you know if if you if you're just a if you make a, a simple mistake on Android, you could potentially, you know, keep the the GPS on or, or do whatever and maybe get stuck in a loop and you're just going to drain down the battery yeah. and the phone. Right. You know, it, it, I know that the, you know, we're probably sort of generalizing and, and it's not like Android lets you do anything, anything. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some protections in there, but yeah. there's certainly less than the other platform. So you're far more likely to be able to drain down the battery and do those types of things. And it might not even be malicious. Yeah, it may not be malicious. It may just be the way um, your app is architected. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we do have policies on Windows Phone that particularly protect against you know background tasks that stay alive forever and prevent the phone from sleeping, drain the bat- that result in you know draining the battery or overheating of the phone and things like that. Uh, but in general, we're also uh, you know building a lot of uh, protection against uh, malware that's that 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 is kind of rampant in Android and. Uh, we would like the malware developers to not use our platform. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got kind of a surprise question for you. Are you, are you able to take an APK and sideload with that? Or does it have to go through the store? It has to go through the store. So okay. as an end user right now, we're not uh, enabling sideloading. Uh, you know, for, for developers, they can unlock their device and obviously sideload uh, yeah. for testing. So, okay. so a related question. We talked about uh, with Project Centennial last week, and they had some way to, you know, process like an MSI and get NAPX out the end of that. Is there something similar? Like, if I have that APK, can I turn that into an NAPX on my own machine and then sideload that, or is that just not possible at this point? Is that a store only feature to get that processing in there? Yeah. Uh, no, it is possible. So, so I talked about the app analysis tool that we have that analyzes your APK and, and kind of reports uh, what are some of the changes or areas that you need to pay attention to. Uh, the output of that tool actually is an Apex that you can then use to sideload onto your test device or in future on an, on a, on an emulator to, uh, to test and debug your, your application. That's really cool. Yeah. So, so if I were in a scenario where like, you know, I have an extensive Android code base, but I want to, you know, give it a, a native, you know, Windows UI, is, is there, is there a way uh, using Project Historia that I could gradually uh, rewrite my UA, UI layer natively? Or is that something you got to do that like all in one shot? Um, so like, uh, as I talked about in our SDK, we are providing Java, Java APIs for some elements of the native experience. So if you look at the flagship, uh, features of windows experience for apps, you know, things like live tile or Cortana mm-hmm. integration or the native, uh, notifications and integration with the action center. These are things that define a windows experience for apps. So we are providing either redirection or APIs for creating these elements from the app. And we're also uh, thinking about how we could actually provide full UI framework uh, integration in future. We, we haven't quite figured out how to do it, but it's, it's definitely on our radar. 
Yeah, so, so it sounds like you'd keep it in, you'd mostly want to keep it just in Java and just maintain it there, which seems perfectly acceptable. I mean, the developer's already been doing that. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, if, if they decide that, hey, the level of in- integration and redirection and our API calls, if that's not enough and they really want to create a uh, custom experience on Windows without having to rewrite all their uh, business logic, essentially, in the app that's written in Java or potentially even C++ as a native Android library, uh, we are looking, we don't have, we haven't exactly figured out how we would do this, but we're looking at potentially uh, lighting up a XAML-based framework that they can plug into. All right. cool. I know a lot of people really want to get their hands on this. Is there any hints that you can give us about when we could at least uh, expect to see a preview of this? <laughs> well, uh, so at Build, actually, we, uh, we, we shared uh, a URL at Dev Center for Project Astoria where uh, you can actually go and register as a developer to receive all our newsletters. And if you're interested in actually helping us test this platform, uh, you can even submit your APK and give us permission to to test it and validate. And uh, we'll get in touch with people with all the updates um, and, uh, you know, shipping news, essentially. Totally avoided that one. <laughs> no, that that makes that makes sense. So yeah, because I mean, you're gonna yeah, you're gonna get these APKs, and and it, it sounds like once you once you reach a, a an API level that you're that you're happy with, that's that's when you kind of pull the trigger and and open it up because you don't want to have people you know all throw their APKs in there and they don't work out of the box, right? Exactly. I mean, the pro- yeah. the promise really we're making to developers is to make it super easy for them to reuse their code to build a Windows app. Right. Uh, right. So high level of quality and compatibility go, go hand in hand with that promise. Uh, we we want to make sure we build the right stuff and have the right level of quality before we open it up to everyone. No, absolutely. Um, so but uh, at the same time, uh, oh, I just wanted to point out that our engagement uh, program is is open to everyone. So if you mm-hmm. want to come and you know be in that engagement program and work with us, we welcome you. Perfect. Uh, so if I have an iOS app and I have an Android app, I know that there's a bridge for each of those. And on this show, we really haven't talked about the iOS bridge um, at all. We've um, in this show, obviously, we're talking about the Android bridge. Uh, but if I have both of those apps, do you have any advice on which one I should start from if I want to make a Windows app? Uh, gosh, uh, you know, we essentially provide a variety of tools for developers and, uh, every developer's, uh, and every company's situation is, is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it really depends. So with, uh, with Islandwood, you essentially reuse your source code, but you'd be right. using, uh, Visual Studio and Windows tools to, uh, customize your, your source code and eventually build a Windows app. Um, you have, because you're modifying your source code a lot, you have a lot of flexibility, right, to have full deep native integration. Uh, with uh, Astoria, we have optimized for reuse of source code as much as possible, and we have done a lot of heavy lifting on the device itself to, to redirect uh, Android concepts to, to Windows concepts. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then you'd be working within your Android development environment. Don't have to, you know, get Visual Studio or if you're not familiar with uh, Windows tools. That's a good so point. You don't have to go through that ramp up tool. Right, right. So they might both be 
just as good of you know ways to go and in in similar surface areas and all that but but i guess what you're saying is the differentiator could be you know the visual studio portion of it because i didn't realize that you could with this you can actually stay in the tools that you want and submit that apk to the store which is which is really interesting um so you really would have two development environments then versus islandwood where you'd have uh three development environments you'd have visual studio you'd have uh, xcode and then you'd have you know eclipse or whatever you're doing your android development in uh that's right. So, right. so it really, like, which one is the better way to go? Uh, it totally depends on the developer's preference and context and, and goals. Um, uh, the The outcome of both is 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 a high quality Windows app, essentially. Perfect. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to touch on that we that we didn't get to? Um, I think uh, we we covered you know a lot of the high level concepts of, of Project Astoria. Yeah. Uh, you know the 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 kind of the, the pitch that I want to put out there is uh, we would love to really uh, you know talk to as many developers as possible and get their feedback and and help in refining this platform and uh, making it super cool for for publishing their apps. We've had tons of interest. Uh, in fact, we were overwhelmed with the number of applications and registrations that came in right after build. Uh, but we we realized that Android is a very, very big ecosystem, and we have mm-hmm. a big technical challenge. So the more partners we have, the merrier it gets. Yeah, what's exciting about this, too, is over the next you know year or so, I mean, this is just going to keep getting better and better as as that API surface area starts to uh, starts to you know get matched. Um, I mean, it's just it's just going to get better, and the developer doesn't necessarily have to worry about that too much. Yeah, exactly. We always get a kick when we uh, actually show an app that just works to some of our partner uh, partners yeah. who uh, who have decided to work with us, and they're like, "Wow, how did you do this?" And we're like, <laughs> yeah, what kind it? of magic is this? <laughs> we just uh, yeah, so very cool. Okay, so let's get to the Azure pick of the week. So I picked, uh, this is pretty cool. This is a mach- uh, Microsoft Azure machine learning algorithm cheat sheet. Say that 10 times fast. Um, so we'll have a link to this in the show notes, but basically um, this is good. I, you know, if you're a machine learning expert, I don't know if this helps. It probably does. Uh, I'm a machine learning newbie. Uh, so this, this diagram here really helps because it talks about, you know, if you're doing like a two class classification, multi-class classification, regression analysis, anomaly detection, and then it tells you the type of, algorithms that make sense in certain scenarios. Uh, so this is probably the best understanding I've had of what these different things do and and why whenever you're in Azure Machine Learning, there's that long list of those um, different processes or functions that you can do on the left-hand side. And then there's some uh, footnotes at the bottom that that just, that you know dive into these a little bit more. Uh, so this might be, you know, if you're familiar with all this or, or even if you're not, I would take a look at this. It's kind of cool. And Carl, what do we have for the app of the week? I have two picks this week for the apps of the week. Uh, the first, since we already talked about some of the revenue changes that are coming up, uh, there's an app called Revenue for Dev Center. Uh, you can log in with your uh, Microsoft account and it'll show you the revenue breakdown per app and what's owed to you, how much you've been paid. Uh, just really a nice uh, quick way to look at uh, you know your finances uh, as it comes through the Dev Center. Is it ironic that this app is free? <laughs> <laughs> it, it helps you keep your revenue. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that would be depressing. Like you, you pay five bucks for this app, and it goes, "You've made five dollars." <laughs> the next one, um, I, I've been really frustrated lately with the built-in uh, podcast app on Windows Phone, and I've recently found one called Pocket Cast to replace. And I think this can permanently replace um, 
the built-in player. Um, it's a podcast app that's actually on Windows Phone, Android, and iOS, and they have a web player, so they just kind of support everything. Um, I find it really nice to use a, a really easy workflow. Um, one of the nicest things about it is you can kind of have like a playlist of podcasts and just listen to them back to back. When one ends, the next one just picks picks up. Oh, that's nice. Because that that is the thing. Whenever my podcast ends, it just yep. it's just silence, right? And, which is kind of, which sucks whenever you're in a car, right? Yeah, and you can pick which ones download automatically and which ones you want to download on demand. So I mean, there's just a lot of nice little thoughtful features about it. Um, one note uh, about it is the Windows Phone one is a little bit behind compared to iOS and Android. Um, hopefully, maybe with Project Astoria and Islandwood, they'll catch up faster. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but yeah, I really like it. And if you've been having a little bit of frustration with the built-in one, uh, check it out. Uh, I believe it's four dollars. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. It's uh, this is this is pretty cool. Does it save the positions? Yes. In the cloud. Yes. Okay. And you can you can skip devices and all that. So okay, because that's my that's my biggest frustration. Like every time I get a new device, like I end up having to add all the podcasts, and then I don't know, it just loses its mind occasionally and doesn't know where it was. And it's on every platform. I haven't seen any that do a perfect. And then uh, uh, you go back in and yeah, it's like, oh, hey, you want to start this podcast right now? Yeah. <laughs> no, I want to take off where I was left off before. Uh, anything else about that, Carl? No, but uh, I, I did add a uh, non-sanctioned, uh, random non-dev. Contraband. Like, yes, contra- contraband. Uh, so uh, explain section. this to me. Everybody's freaking out over it. I have no idea what this is. Okay. So, so I'm totally confused. All right. So there was a Kickstarter for this movie to be made. It, it's just ridiculous, over-the-top action. Kung Fu style, 80s genre. It's filmed in an 80s style. There's tons of 80s references in there. It's a Kung Fu movie called Kung Fury. Um, you can check it out on YouTube. We'll have a link in the show notes. But it's it's just awesome. I, I watched it last night when I saw it, and I passed it on the link, and everybody was like, it's just mind-blowing. It's ridiculous. It's over the top. It's everything most people want. Cool, cool. Okay, well, I'm going to watch it then, because it's free, and it's like a half hour, right? Yep. Uh. Question of the week. Yes. Question of the week. So, uh, Shabnam, do you, are you still there? Yeah, I am. Okay. Just making sure you're still there. Mm-hmm. So we have this game that we play. It's a little bit of a surprise because I, d- I don't think you've heard the show before, right? No. I okay. I got a game for you and it's really easy to play. So all you have to do, this is a game for kids, but we like to play it. Okay. I got to pick a number between one and four and I'm going to ask you a question. All right. You can tell me what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so between one and four. Two. Too. Okay. Would you rather cut your own hair or have it cut by an expert hairdresser who is blindfolded? Uh, two. <laughs> <laughs> you want to cut by the expert blindfolded? Yep. <laughs> I, I bet you they could do a decent job at that, to be honest I'm with you, because sure. okay. I think a lot of it is the, is the feeling part of it. Yep. Hey, Carl, pick a number between one and four. I pick three. Three. Okay. Would you rather be a bull rider or the clown that tries to get the bull's attention? <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, boy, neither of them sound fun, but I, 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 I'm still more the, more the clown. I can at least run. You're con- in contact with that bull, no matter what, if you're yeah, the rider. If you get thrown up in the air, like you don't know where you're coming down and there's some bad places to come down. <laughs> like underneath the hoof. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So Shabnam, where can uh, people find you if they want to learn more? Uh, I do have a uh, Twitter handle that they can find me at. Okay. Uh, it's Shabnam Erfani, Shabnam E-R-F uh, at Twitter. Okay, perfect. And then it uh, looks like Carl is also going to have a link in the show notes to uh, to the forum where people can sign up for this as well. Yeah. Um, so so go check that out. Yeah. And Carl, so, so actually yep. uh, on a, 
uh, twice or three times a week, I personally go over the list of registrations and who has signed up and the APKs and everything. So if you have a comment and you really uh, reach out to us, uh, you, you will have me through that forum as well. Okay. This form does not look like what I was expecting. So <laughs> just so our listeners understand, it's company name, contact name, email address, confirm email address, and then your APK. Like, that's it. That, that's awesome. I mean, I was expecting, you know, like, uh, you know, what is your social security number, your credit card number, but this is <laughs> this is like super easy. So if you have a Java app or if you have a uh, Android app, there is no reason to not go fill out this form and, and send this in to, to have them check it out. That's pretty awesome. Uh, Carl, where can people find you? You can find me at WPDevGuy.com or on Twitter at Carl Schweitzer. Perfect. And you can find me at YTechie.com or on Twitter at Twitter.com slash YTechie. And Chabnam, thank you so much for coming on. This was this was awesome. I uh, I totally I, I this this project is is pretty awesome. Uh, yeah. This is this is even more than what I was expecting. So thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was it was great fun. Be sure to subscribe by searching for MS Dev Show in your favorite podcasting app. Leave us a review at iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, or your podcast aggregator of choice. Visit us at msdevshow.com where you can leave comments, check out our links, show notes, and more. Visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash msdevshow. You can send us your comments and feedback directly to feedback at msdevshow.com. 